Hello, hello. Hey, up. What's up? What's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a terrific episode for you today with a remarkable guest and one of my favorite people to chat with. World traveler Luke Kenyon joins the show. Luke was first featured on the show in March as he talked about his experiences in visiting 94 countries. Yes, 94. Incredible. Well, today, Luke is going to continue talking about travel, but is going to focus on solo travel, something that him and I both hold in high esteem. Luke is going to give us some of his tips for having the confidence to travel solo and some of the steps you can take to prepare yourself for a big trip. He also shares with us ways to engage with other people while traveling. And finally, Luke covers the all-important topic of security and safety while being a solo tourist. It's a sensational travel conversation, and Luke is someone I wish I could chat with on a daily basis because of his invaluable wisdom in regards to life and specifically travel. He's closing in on 100 countries, and I feel with each new passport stamp he gains, he just adds to the sage knowledge that he's acquired. He sees the world differently. He's an open-minded, empathetic, and compassionate individual, and a lot of that has come from his travel experiences. Thrilled to have Luke return. So let's go ahead and bring on world traveler of 94 countries, Australia's finest, Luke Kenyon, and let's learn. Luke, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. Any Given Runway's resident travel guru. Live from Melbourne. Uh, I, like, I like that title. Thank you. <laughs> Live from Melbourne, out his office window, he has amazing, amazing view of the Melbourne sports facilities. Yeah, Melbourne, that's right. Yeah, so what a lot of people don't realize in Australia, very similar to the United States, is that we have, I think, seven different states and territories. Yep. We're all run very differently. We're like run like little mini countries within a main country. Um, but my state, Victoria, is doing quite well. We've been COVID-free for over a month now which is great we've started our vaccination program only a couple of weeks ago so yeah it's looking, looking good for us hopefully i can get my vaccine soon to get me out there in the world yeah i want to get out there and travel again well like the you. world needs you the world needs you traveling again but i am going on a holiday tomorrow morning i'm going off for four or five days over to another state to go drink wine in wine in a wine region so i can't wait perfect what is the wine region in australia We've got several, but the, the, close, one I'm going, the closest one to you, the closest one to me is the Yarra Valley. Yeah, and okay. so the Yarra Valley is about 45 minutes drive outside of downtown Melbourne. And it's amazing. Lots of great Pinot Noir, um, Savion Blanc, Chardonnay. It's a great region. Are you looking forward to white or red? What are you looking forward to? Well, the region I'm going to tomorrow is famous for their full body reds. Okay. So Cabernet Savion, the Shiraz. So I'm driving up and I'm going to fill up my car full of wine because <laughs> it's coming into winter. So think of me as a bear. I'm going to hibernate. <laughs> well, pour heavy handed and think of me in the process and have one, have one or two. From yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I wanted to have you back today to talk specifically about solo travel because I know it's something that's important to me, important to you. When was it that you first ventured out on a trip by yourself? Yeah, okay. So the first trip I did solo was Japan. And that was probably 2003, 2004. I did that a long time ago. Um, my sister lived over there. 
she was doing an exchange over there for a year or two. So I went over to Japan and I spent about a week traveling around Japan by myself for the first time and then met up with my sister, did some travel with her and then came home. So it was a good, it was a good taster because I still had the safety net of my yeah. sister being around there. But at the same time, it was my first trip alone. Um, it was a big shock actually is because I did, I've done Europe. I did a few other Asian countries with partners and family. It was the first country I went to where English was not known. Um, and so the language for me was a big shock. Uh, I think I was obviously a bit of privilege here where I thought that everyone spoke a bit of English where over there they didn't. So it was the first time that I started to learn to communicate with my hands and gestures and other ways. Um, and there was no Google Translate back in those days. So yeah, that was my first trip. What were your emotions and thoughts leading up to the first trip? Were you someone who typically did things by yourself, like go to the movies by yourself or go out to eat by yourself? Well, that's funny you mentioned that because I, you, you emailed me last week about this solo travel thing and I started to write some notes and I actually had some tips for your listeners about yeah. how to train yourself to travel solo. And I, exactly that. You need to be comfortable with yourself. Mm -hmm. And one of the couple of things that I started doing was testing a few things. Can you go for a big hike or a big walk all day by yourself? Being stuck with your own minds and you're and your thinking. Going to the movies by yourself is a huge cultural faux pas sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people go, oh, you can't go to the movies by yourself. But I did that a couple of times before the Japanese trip. And it's once you pass the stigma of going and buying one ticket, one popcorn, one seat, and sitting there by yourself, it's actually very easy. Mm -hmm. It's not like you go to the movies and talk to the person next to you anyway. You don't do that. Um, but you're right. Like you need to then train yourself because you don't want to go over. You don't want to jump in hot water straight away, right? It's about what you and I spoke about off air before. About you need to slowly accustomize your body, your, your thinking slowly. So turn that water up one degree at a time. Slowly get warmed up to it. So when you do go travel overseas, you're not shocked. Because the biggest thing is getting used to yourself. How about during the trip? You mentioned yep. language being a problem. Did you feel not having someone with you made the language more challenging? Yes, I reckon it was. Because sometimes when you have two or three people with you, you can sort of, you can all look at, you can work together. Yeah. You know, well, what they're trying to communicate. But by yourself, like the first day was tough. I'm not going to lie to you, I struggled. Um, but eventually I worked out ways of communicating. And then actually it forces you to, to think outside the box and go, how can I communicate what I want to order when the menu's all in Japanese characters? I can't even dissect it. <laughs> um, sometimes I just did, uh, I pointed at something and hoped it wasn't dog <laughs> or, 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 or something, some chopped liver. Yeah. Um, but generally, yeah, like it was tough, but you learn to survive. And that's the best thing about humans is generally we will adapt. And, that we, and to survive. And then it, whether it's eating, drinking, shelter, you'll work out a way to do it. And traveling by yourself, you actually, it trains you to do that. It does. It's very empowering. That's the first word I think of. You still have the safety net of having a family member there. So when was the first trip that you went out? No assistance from anyone, not tethered to anything, purely on your own. Yeah. That was another trip about a year later. So funny enough, I had a partner at the time um, an airline had all these great specials on, so we went crazy and booked a few trips together, only to break up 
a couple of months later. Mm-hmm. So we had these trips booked and I'm quite a stubborn person. I'm like, stuff it, I'm going on this trip anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and that trip was to Thailand, Cambodia. Um, so the Thailand trip, it's pretty, so back in those days as well, it's tourist friendly, it was easy. But then Cambodia was a little bit difficult as well. Yeah. I went and if I can jump in, leading up to the trip, yep. were you telling people that you were going solo? I kept that quiet, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Same for me. That's why I was curious about that. Yeah, like I was, yeah, I definitely kept it quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, I just said, you know what, I'm just going to go. Because mm-hmm. if they start to tell people, they're going to tell me no. Ah. Um, they're going to start to pull me back. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want that conversation. I'm just going to go. Yeah. I'm going to have the best time ever. I'm going to come back. It's going to make me a better person. They'll be jealous. And I just did it. And because I think I listened to one of your previous podcasts with the previous guest, and I think they had a similar story too, where they kept it quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was reflecting on that, I was like, yeah, I did the same thing. And I often do that still with a lot of trips. Because sometimes I want to go by myself and I don't want that awkward conversation when they're like, can I come? <laughs> because no, because I actually want to go alone, away alone sometimes. Um, I do invite friends and family occasionally, but there's some trips I'm like, no, this is an alone trip. If you want to come for a leg for a few days, fine, come along. But the whole trip is for, for me. How did your preparation for that trip differ from previous trips? I think in the previous episode, we spoke about how I was a planner, spreadsheets, and I liked to book everything. This trip was complete opposite. (laughs) I turned up with nothing. (laughs) I literally got off the um, airplane and I had no accommodation booked. I had had a loose idea of what I wanted to do, but it was liberating. I just had a stressful, not stressful, but the last few months leading up to it, I was just so busy with things. I knew I was going to Thailand. I knew it was pretty good when it came to uh, tourist infrastructure. So I just winged it and it was awesome. I literally winged night by night for those two and a half weeks. I ended up going to the jungles of Cambodia, going to these remote spots that no one went to. Um, I remember spending $200 on a taxi one day because I wanted to go to this one remote part of the country that and th- that the roads were so bad that um, yeah, that's in, I paid a fortune for it. And that might be the one negative about going by yourself is there's no one to split the taxi fare or the Uber fare. You got to pay for it all. On. Yeah, that's, that's the cost of traveling alone. You yeah. mean, when you go with a partner, it just halves a lot of costs when it comes to taxis and accommodation and things like that. But you know what? It's a cost that I'm willing to pay. Um, having that one-on-one interaction with the driver um, because the driver and those kind of people want to talk to you. When it's you and your partner, you and a friend, often they just sit there in silence because they yep. let you talk. So you end up talking to the locals more. You end up being invited to people's houses. You end up share, having a beer with them at the end of the day. And, having and was, this, was this natural for you? Was this immediately you just started chatting more than normal because you were by yourself or because you felt the need to? What, was, what do you think the motivation behind it was? Yeah, it's probably a bit of both. Sometimes you feel like you just need to talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes the driver or whoever wants to feel like they should talk to you. Like, yeah. oh, why is this person alone? Yeah. Maybe they've had an argument with a girlfriend and they're, or things like that. They, yeah. they often feel that they need to talk to you. Yeah. So that's one of the things that people who want to travel solo, don't be worried that you're not going to have anyone to talk to. Mm-hmm. People will come talk to you naturally. Humans love to interact with people. We're, we are... By, by nature, we want to be in groups and things like that. And so if you're sitting at a bar by yourself, you will be approached and by locals and other travelers to talk to. 
if you're in a hostile common area, people will come and talk to you. I wouldn't worry about that. During that first trip, were you telling people that you were by yourself if they asked? Yeah, no, generally I don't tell people that I'm traveling alone yeah. from a safety perspective and a security perspective. I often, especially with taxi drivers who are driving to a destination, they often say, oh, are you by yourself and where are you staying? Yes, they could be harmless just asking these questions, but at the same time, you don't want them knowing that you're alone at yeah. the address for safety and security. I often I go, oh, yeah, I'm meeting friends there. Um, just from, yeah. So that's one of the things I have in my tips of safety is that always make sure you have a bit of a story. Mm. Um, often I find, I spoke, I spoke to a, was it an Austrian girl? Yeah, it was an Austrian girl. It was in Nicaragua. And she actually had a photo of a boy on her, on her phone. And I said to her, oh, is that your boyfriend? She's like, yeah, he's my trouble boyfriend. <laughs> and I said, what's a trouble boyfriend? She goes, that's who I tell taxi drivers who my, my boyfriend is. Yeah. But it's just, a, it's just a random picture of a boy. But at least it just gives you that, um, yeah, that bit of security. Yeah, I found I've even used, well, no, I live here, just as a way to reduce any potential danger. Yeah, and then that's really good. Another question thing that I, have, I, I always had people is when they say, is this the first time you've been here? Go, no, it's my second time. I, I know where I'm going. Because often, often we, if they say it's the first time, they would like to take you to the gem shop or the carpet shop. For, yeah. let, me, let me take you over here. Let me show you. It's a family friend. I'll take you over here real quick. Yeah. Oh, exactly. So back to that first time in Thailand, what were some of the things that you were surprised about? Um, how easy it was. Yeah. <laughs> how easy it was to, to meet people and just to get along with things and the fact that when you travel by yourself the best thing is you're your own boss so if you wake up early and you want to push on to the next location you can do it and I remember doing that I remember I woke up in a hostel or a hotel in in a destination which I wasn't really happy with and so I just went you know what I'm checking out I just checked out and, and I went to the local bus stop and I was on a bus within two, half an hour and I was in another location really quickly. And the best thing is you can do that. You set your own destiny. You just set your own journey. Which and is I'm awesome. sure the, the pendulum will swing both ways on that in the sense that you could on potentially get a, cheap, a place that's more affordable, maybe not as nice, not as fancy when you're, yep. you don't have anyone you have to compromise with. Correct. Correct. And I remember that, that, that story is that I hopped in the bus, went to this remote island of Thailand, and I, there wasn't many tourists there. It was off-season. And I met an American guy just at one of the beach bars, and we ended up chatting, and he told me about this amazing place in Cambodia. And then I went, great, mate, great. And then a couple of days later, I ended up going to that place in Cambodia, and guess who was there? The American. Love it. Love and so it's just like, and this was like 800 kilometers away. And he didn't tell me he was going. He just suggested it. And then it was great. I know that that first trip kickstarted a world of solo travel. When did it turn into something that you were proud of? You mentioned the word liberating earlier, and I think I use the word empowering, and, and they're both accurate. When did it go to something that you were proud of and, it, and you loved doing it? Um, it's probably when I started pushing the norm. Okay. Like when I started traveling to that Thailand and Cambodia as my solo trip, by then I had already done 25 countries. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually looking at I've actually got a spreadsheet of all the countries and when I went to them, and I was looking at it last night, going, oh, when did I go to Cambodia? Will you send me the and, spreadsheet? Can I look at it? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, then I said, I've done 25 countries. And then after that, I started going to them. Then I started going, you know what? I need to start doing some weird countries now. Now that I've got 
I've, I've done the first country, Japan. I did Cambodia and Thailand. I'm comfortable with that. I'm going to start pushing it. I'm going to start going to some weird places now. I've got my confidence up. I feel I can do it. That's what I did. I started go, then I started pushing the norm. Yeah. Um, so I, got the about, I know you mentioned this on the previous episode, but will you repeat why you like to push the norm, especially when you're tra- traveling solo? Yeah. Um, well, one day I'll settle down. One day I'll have kids and so forth like that. And I would not feel comfortable putting any one of my loved ones into a situation of going to a weird country, from a, whether it's food poisoning, whether it's civil unrest, whether it's political, not steady, where by myself, I don't mind. All right. I'm, like we spoke in the previous podcast, I don't mind taking risks. All right. And so I would love to do it now and do all those weird and wonderful countries now. So when then I, when I do settle down, I can then do the normal countries. Mm. I can go to the Pacific Islands, go to Canada, go to the Greece's of the world because they're not going to change. Yeah. Right. You want to go to these newly developed countries that change countries are changing now because in 20 years time, they're going to be very, very different mm-hmm. where a Canada or a US or Australia or a Greece, they're going to be pretty much there in 20 years. They've been there for 200, 300, 400 years and they haven't changed that much from a cultural perspective. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of these other countries, they're quite new. Some of them are only 50, 60 years old and they're becoming a lot more developed. And as the Western culture is pushes outwards to other countries um, with, yeah, you, they, other countries are changing. Even, even China. I've been to China and Hong Kong and stuff like that several times. And even the, in the space of 20 years, when I first went there to where I go now, it's so different. So, so different. I did one of my solo trips and I got incredibly lost and I was one of the worst times of frustration during travel for me. And I remember being so, such an emotional wreck at the moment. But then afterwards, when things relaxed yeah. and settled down, had that immense confidence and and when the wheels touched down back in the States and my first thought was, well, I can do anything. In what ways has the confidence from traveling solo, in what ways has that moved into just your regular daily life? Well, like going back to what I said also before is like the whole, like you can't go for dinner by yourself, can't go to the movies by yourself, Mm -hmm. going hiking, those kind of things. Like I do that all the time by myself. Like I'll go regularly to dinner by myself. If I feel like a steak and then no one wants to have a steak with me, I'm like, stuff it. I'll just go for a steak by myself. If I want to go see a movie, I went, oh, just before COVID, there's a movie out and no one wanted to see it with me. And I went by myself. Um, they're the kind of things I do now. Mm-hmm. I'll go for an eight hour hike just by myself. Um, it doesn't worry me. I don't worry about the social stigma. That's one thing that's taught me is don't worry and don't listen to people, if you know what I mean. If you talk to people, often they'll convince you not to do things, and, but just do it and have fun. You mentioned choice and not having to compromise with somebody is one thing that you enjoy about traveling solo. What are some of the other things that you prefer doing by yourself? Yeah, one thing I love doing when I travel is just walking, getting lost. Um, I think we both spoke about getting lost in Vatican City. I don't know if I can see it. I'm sorry, Venice. Venice yeah. um, it's the same when I went to New York. I actually went with a friend to New York, and I, but I said to him in a couple of days, I'm on my own for two days because I wanted just to get walk the streets. I wanted to turn left, turn right, go this, just wander. I, don't, I didn't really have a path. I just wanted to see all of New York or all of a city for walking. And I do an average of 20 kilometers a day walking. When you, when you, often when you're with somebody, they always say, where are we going? When's lunch? When are we having a coffee? When's the yeah. toilet break? Yeah. And you don't have to worry about that. Um, that's what I love doing solo. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's just wandering, getting lost. And that's when you really learn the city. Um, I, I, when I, I try not to get public transport or taxis often, I just want to walk the distance because that way you let them know the city more. And that's one thing you have to, one of the things you definitely have to compromise on when traveling with somebody else. You're completely right. I, my walking has doubled when I am solo. I think I did over 21 day in Paris and half of those miles are probably inside the Louvre. Now, the flip side of that, the flip side of that is what you enjoy is, is I know that the common question I get is, well, well, don't you get lonely? When I was in Iceland and seeing the Gullfoss waterfall, initially, I just wanted to look to someone and just be like, can, I can't believe this. This is amazing. I wanted to talk to someone and share it. So you do miss out on those moments. So what are some things that you actually prefer in traveling with others? Yeah. Yeah. You are right. Sometimes you just want to talk to somebody about it. But you know what? I just talk to the next person behind, uh, okay. next to me. Yeah. Um, it was really funny. It's a sideways story here. I went to the AFL, which is the Australian Football League game on the weekend. And I took my girlfriend and I wanted to talk football with her. Mm. And she doesn't know much about football. She doesn't want to talk to football. I just turned around the guy behind me and started to talk to him, just a random. And that's what, that's what trouble taught me. Yeah. It's like you can't just go talk to a bit. You're both there watching a game or you're both there looking at the waterfall. You're both there at the Louvre looking at the Mona Lisa. You're all there from a common purpose. It's okay to have a conversation with that person and go, hey, look at that. Wow. And often what I do is one of the strategies that I have when I travel alone is I go to the person next to me. Can I take a photo of you? And they're like, oh, yeah, thanks. And so then I take a photo of them. Interesting. Then they're like, then they're like hey, can I take a photo of you? Great. I've got some. So you start, you initiate. Correct. Okay. Okay. And then they take a photo of me. And then we, then it, we start talking. Um, and that is one of the things I do all the time. Even when I'm traveling with friends, I still do that technique with randoms because I just want to interact with somebody and talk to them about something and about whether it's we're in Sri Lanka at a sunset spot, we're at a waterfall. Um, that's what I do. That's my trick. Is just, can I take a photo of you? And the general answer is yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, if it's a couple, we do it to a couple because they want a photo of themselves. But often I single out other solo travelers as well. So I'm one of those guys now that helps other solar travelers and then I talk to them and where you've been, where you're going, where you're staying, where, have you eaten anywhere good? And, and you still seek them out as well? Yep, absolutely. I know that one of my favorite tricks, similar to yours, I'm going to steal yours as far as taking the photo, but is any public situation, it's what are you drinking? I got the next round. And people are yeah. usually so blown away by it. They, they're not expecting some doing. And I respond with, well, I don't want to drink by myself. On our previous talk, you had some other tips on that. So what are some other of your personal tricks that you use to, to be social when you want? Yeah, exactly. And you sort of mentioned about being lonely as well. I mean, yeah, definitely you do get, you can get lonely sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the best thing now about not being lonely is you've got things like your Netflix and Spotify and <laughs> things like that. You can sort of amuse yourself then, which is but also good. You can hide as well. Are there times for you where you don't want to be social? What do you do? Absolutely. Is it, is Absolutely. it is that the Netflix and everything then? Yeah, go hide, yeah. hide in the hostel room, watch Netflix and okay. Generally, people know that if you're watching something on your iPad or phone that don't disturb you. And yeah. um, definitely, um, you do need a few hours in the afternoon sometimes just to wind down or things like that. But then to answer your question about being social, I've got a few tips and tricks for people. Yeah. So number one is stay in hostels, okay? Mm -hmm. People have this, if you go and talk to a lot of people about hostels, they're like, oh, they're disgusting, they're dirty, they've got bed bugs, they've got... 16 people in dorms. I have to tell you, hostels have come a long way in 20 years. And it's all thanks to TripAdvisor. 
And the reason I say that now is because people rate, people review. If you have a crappy hostel, people aren't going to stay with you anymore. So the hostel standards have come a long way. And you get these boutique hostels now that have amazing beds, pillows, privacy curtains. You've got USB plugs in your bed. It's literally amazing. It's everything you you need. Everything you need and you're paying $15, $20 a night. Bang. All right. So number one is stay in hostels, people, if you want to meet other people. Right. But I've also got a tip that I do sometimes as well. Is sometimes I want my privacy. I want my own room. What I do is I find the most popular hostel that I can find in the city or town mm-hmm. and I stay at the hotel next door. Mm, okay. And then what I do is, is so then I can have my privacy when I want, but then I wander into the, the hostel bar or hot to the reception and talk to them. Hey guys, I'm staying next door. Do you mind if I come in and have a drink? The answer is always yes. Yeah. Um, and then you took then often hostels will have tours. They'll have bar crawls or walk-in tours. Join them. And then talk to the people, talk to the receptionist, ask her where the best bars are, the best restaurants are, those kind of things. And then the other thing is loiter. Often I'll sit in a, in a hostel waiting room or reception area, mm-hmm. use their Wi-Fi. Got to do that, just, yeah, yeah. And just wait for other solo travelers to walk in. And trust me, there'll be heaps. And then as you hear them asking similar questions to the, the receptionist, going, oh, I'm looking through... I don't know whether it's an event or it's an attraction. You go, hey, I'm actually going to go there now. Do you want to come with me? Yeah. Or I'm actually looking for lunch. Do you want to go lunch together? Mm-hmm. I guarantee nine out of ten times that person will be like, yeah, thanks, great. Um, that's something I do still today is you just loiter for a little bit. After like half an hour now, no one's there. Just disappear, yeah. do your own thing. But that's a common tactic that I do. Well, I love that advice because also while loitering, someone's going to ask a question that maybe you hadn't thought of, but you were also curious about. And you're going to get information just by, by lingering around. And, and I want to make sure that listeners know that, like you said, the standards of hostels have improved to the point that they do probably 10 times out of 10 have a bar restaurant built into Correct. it, well, like Correct. you were mentioning. So if you are staying next door, you can still slide in, have a drink. They're never going to turn you away. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you're a nice person, which most of us are, is they'll give you a wristband to give you out-of-hours out, out access as well sometimes, um, especially if you're spending money. And in your case, buying everyone drinks, they're going to let you in. <laughs> just one round. Just one round. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the other tip. The other big tip that I do in every single city I go to, and I love it, free walking tours. All right? It's a great concept which started in Berlin 20-something years ago by some university students, and it spread like wildfire across the rest of the world. The first thing I do when I go to any city is do the walking tour. Hmm is because it gives you a bit of a taste of the city, a bit of a taste of the culture, what restaurants to go to, what bars, what events are on at the moment. But also it's full of other travellers who are also looking to do something like you're doing, yeah. is meet other travellers, um, get to know the taste of the city. So you're all like-minded. And so it's very quickly that uh, after the two-hour tour, you're like, hey, guys, I'm going to go to the art gallery. Does, any, does anyone want to come? Or I'm going to go for lunch. Does anyone want to come? Um, and it's awesome. Next thing you know, you got you have a little couple of people to hang out with. Um, but at the same time, if you don't want to hang out with them, that's fine. Do your thing. Go for a. But at least you've given a bit of a taste, and you've been told you've got some ideas of where to go. But also, just ask questions the whole time. Don't be that person that sits there and just listens. I'm always the person that's asking questions. Oh, is this where's the best place to watch sport? Or 
what's the best restaurant, what's the best local food. Um, and that helps stimulate conversation with the other travelers as well. And sometimes asking a question, you don't even have to care about the question you're asking. It's more of just to kickstart the conversation. So ask something that's not a yes or no answer. On our previous chat, you mentioned something else that you do to be social. That's, that's with yep. books. What, what's that? Yeah, yeah. So that's the other thing I was going to talk about. So a few tactics about restaurants and bars, right? So number one is never sit in a corner table, in, a, in the dark in the corner. Sit on the biggest table in the, ta in the room. Sit at the bar because you know what? If you sit at the bar, there's two seats next to you on either side that someone's going to sit next to you on, which means that someone's going to sit there eventually and talk to you. That's a, that's a big thing. And it's the same with restaurants. Sit in the middle of the room, sit on the big table, sit on the communal table. Um, and the other thing is go to restaurants, go to a bar. Don't feel like you can't do that as a solo person. You can. Everyone needs a drink. Everyone needs to eat. Everyone needs to sleep. Uh, it is okay. Don't go and sit in your room and eat your two-minute noodles by yourself. Um, you can if you want, if you want some time to yourself. But there's something I used to do. I don't do it that much anymore because of technology, but I used to often get my book, and often it's a popular book. Um, I remember the book at the time that I used to use it a lot with is a book called Shantaram, which is about a, an Australian guy that travelled the world and ex-con. Um, but you basically, I had that out, and at the time it was a very popular book. People used to walk past and go, oh, I've, I've just heard about that book, or I've just read that book. Um, and it's, it's a great tactic that I used at the beginning of my travels when I didn't have the confidence to go and talk to randoms. Okay. Is it let the randoms come to you. Um, so sometimes it's good to have something in front of you to, to help someone else create a conversation with you. If you've got your head buried into your phone, no one's going to come talk to you. No. You can see that you're busy. So try to be open, have good open body language, have something in front of you that is a good conversation starter and someone will come to you. It's funny how cell phone is a deterrent, but a book is not. A book is a green light in a lot of ways for people. It's, it's, it's interesting how that, how that works. You've mentioned about meeting people along the way. So over your travels, how often have you met other solo travelers? Because I know it's steadily increasing in popularity. I meet solo travelers everywhere now. I think even when I traveled solo 20 years ago, oh my God, I sound old now. Um, <laughs> you meet them by yourself. I know they stick out a bit more. I think we sort of look out for each other. And the good thing about solo travelers is that we look after each other. Um, it's the best thing. And some of my best friends are solo travelers. One of my best friends in Melbourne right now, I met in Cancun uh, three or four years ago. And we met in a hostel in Cancun. We decided having a few drinks, went to a nightclub. Um, funny enough, he checked out the next day, but he left his n name and number at the receptionist for me to go, hey, contact me. Here's my details which I thought was a bit strange, but that was him reaching out saying we had a good time. I messaged him. We caught up about a week or two later in a different town. And fast forward six months later, he's in Melbourne. I got him a, I got him a place to stay in Melbourne. He's living here. We've now gone on two trips together. Um, and that's all from just talking to someone at a hostel. Um, I've got other friends who I consider really good friends who I've met traveling. Um, and they're all solo travelers because we sort of stick together. Um, it's, I would not be scared of your audience. Don't be scared. You will meet people, yeah. especially in popular, popular places, right? If you go into a weird place like I do, like, I don't know, 
Uzbekistan and Tajikistan, yes, you may struggle. <laughs> but if you go into the Thailands and the Sri Lankas and the Indias and, the, and, and Europe in general, you will not have an issue at all about meeting people. Have you experienced any small world moments while solo traveling? For instance, when I was in Amsterdam, I had a quick stopover before taking a flight to Manchester, then taking the train to Leicester, right? It's, it's kind of a specific detailed mm. route, but my flatmate in my hostel in Amsterdam was doing the exact same journey. He was going That's from okay. Amsterdam to Manchester, Leicester. It was, it was mind-boggling. So for you, have you experienced any of the small world moments meeting a, a fellow Aussie in the middle of yep. Mali? Or... Yep, yep, yep. I remember two stories there. One story was in Cambodia, funny enough. My first ever solo travel by myself, I was at Angkor Wat watching the sun, I think it was a sunset at one of the famous temples there. And all of a sudden I heard this voice. I'm like, I know that voice. And I turned around and there he goes, a work colleague next to me. And wow. I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Came and here to was, get away from you, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, you kept this quiet. Look, I had no idea you were going to Cambodia. And I'm like, that's strange. Ended up, ended up meeting her. I mean, traveled for a few days together, which is great. But even like just in London, I was just by, in London by myself at one stage and just on the tube, I spoke to a friend about three months earlier going, are you coming to London? She said, yeah, I'll be in London one day. There on the tube... I saw it on the tube and I'm like, oh, how long have you been here for? She goes, I literally just arrived half an hour ago. Wow. <laughs> and it's just like in the chances of London, how, how are we on the same tube in the same carriage and it's the day that you arrived. But it's a small world. Yeah. They say that there's seven, is it seven degrees of separation, but I think it's yeah, a lot yeah. smaller when you start traveling. Over time, as solo travels become more popular, how has the response from others differed when you return? Because I know probably initially on that first trip, people were like, wait, you went by yourself? Oh my gosh, I would never do that. And I'm sure it's changed a lot in the, in the years. I think all my friends and family just expect it now. Okay. Um, they're always, I, they always ask me, how many trips have you got planned now? Where are you going next? They're so jealous. Um, I get all of that kind of stuff now. So it's a very different experience now. I always get, can I come? <laughs> uh, can I have your itinerary? Um, Are those two hard no's right off the bat? No. Uh, oh, can I come? Generally is a hard no, generally. Uh, sometimes I go, you can come for a leg. Yeah, yeah. A like uh, funny that. story is that I, once again, I kept the trips quiet and I was going to South America for two months. Um, I had some time between work jobs and I said, I'm going to just go to South America for Carnival in Brazil. And I was literally going in three weeks' time or four weeks' time. And on my birthday, my uncle came up to me and said, oh, I hear you going to Brazil for Carnival. Carnival. And I went, yeah, I guess, can I come? And I went, uh, oh, okay, yeah. thinking that it'll be, he wouldn't come. <laughs> Two weeks later, he booked his tickets and all kind of ah. stuff. A little but, bit of disappointment there, I'm guessing. A little bit. But it was the best experience. Like my uncle was 20-something years older than me. But... We had the best time together. But I said to him, you can come for two of the weeks or I'm going for eight weeks. You can come for what this leg. The rest of it I want to do my own by myself. And, I, and we did the Brazil leg together and the Argentina, Argentina leg together. And we had the best time. And mm-hmm. it's formed a relationship with that uncle that I can't describe with any other uncle. He's like a best friend to me now. We still meet up all the time. Um, so it's sometimes good to say yes, but just put some like just – come for two weeks and let me have the rest of it myself. You mentioned becoming more comfortable with yourself and developing more confidence with all these trips. 
What do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned about yourself from years of solo travel? I bring a lot of the stuff that I've learned from traveling to work and to everyday things. It's just like problem solving. I think when you travel by when you travel by yourself, you're constantly problem solving. Whether it's currency, the next bus, where I'm staying, all those kind of things. It, it's it, every day you're just problem solving. So you, you're always on. And so I think all those things you bring into your everyday use, like work and just, yeah, that, that everyday problem solving. Yeah. But for me now, it's not problem solving, it's just comes second nature. Mm-hmm. So it's really good to teach and train and educate people about just problem solving. And you can do it by yourself. I, perhaps, perhaps a better word is puzzle solving. And I'm sure you actually enjoy part of that. I'm sure you enjoy sitting down and analyzing the table of a metro in a new city. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's funny because um, <laughs> often the first thing I do when I get to a country is give me the map, give me the metro right, station. Yeah, let's do it. And I love, I did very well at school with geography. Yeah. Um, and I still find maps and stuff fascinating. I have an excitement when I know I can have two different legs of the journey join up. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this to this, take this train, this platform. I get excited. Yeah, I, I do too. And the other reason I laughed at that story is I remember this is, this is going back when I was 12 years old. I was asked to babysit um, these three girls. And I said, yeah, no worries. And as the parents were getting ready to go out, there was a puzzle on the side of the table. And I picked it up and I solved it in like four minutes and put it down. And it was a bit of a, was that, oh, that was that movie with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck when the guy solved the good puzzle. Hunting. Yeah, good one. Yeah. They're like, we've had that puzzle there for five years and no one's going <laughs> to solve it. And I'm like, what? It's easy. Yeah. But I think that's a, it comes a little bit second nature to me. But at the same time, it's taught me to problem solve a lot more now and a lot more complex things when you've got different things like, You've got people, you've got currency, you've got time, you've got all these now factors. Um, that's good. And I recommend that to anyone to do because that's what really people struggle with is that puzzle solving um, and communication. And, and it's a really good skill to have in life. That's part of the satisfaction and the confidence I come back with. It's like if you can navigate a foreign country and navigate the, the timetables of the trains and, and heck, board the correct train. I mean, that, that is a big accomplishment in some of these places, especially when they use different alphabets. I mean, it, it, it can't be uh, underestimated on that. Yeah, absolutely right there, Randall. And it's so, so funny, it's something so simple. Why don't a lot of countries have a bloody number on the train carriage or a <laughs> boat? It'd be so much easier to go and get on the number one boat, the number two boat, or the number, the number F pier. Um, I was in Cairns in Australia recently and I was told to go to the F pier. Does the pier have F on it? No. Mm-hmm. It's just think even in Australia, you have very skilled. Yeah. yeah. It also, for me, it's reduced my anxiety for traveling because I'm not worried anymore. I'm sure maybe early on in your trips, you were like, okay, well, what if X, Y, and Z? And you think of all the different things that might go wrong or you worry about this. Now I know if I step into a city, it's like, I'll be fine. I'll get the train. If I miss it, I'll get the next train. I'll do this. Right. I'll get an Uber. Like, I, I don't worry about the small what ifs that may happen. Absolutely. And that's what I say to people when they travel with me as well is don't sweat the small stuff. Don't worry. Because as you said, if we miss this train, there's another one. Mm -hmm. If we miss that train to be a bus, there's a plane, there's, we can stay another night. It's Or there's a different country you can go to instead. Absolutely. (laughs) And a lot of people do get stressed out by that. Um, I'm like, don't worry about it. Just just relax. Everything will happen for a reason and everything will, everything will work out. Um, and I've had lots of stories that then things are going wrong, but you know what? They all turned right eventually. Exactly. I've had ones where you've missed a flight and it's like, well, it's unfortunate and you don't want to waste money, but it's like, well, I'll just 
go somewhere else. It's fine. <laughs> and if you want to go everywhere, it's, it's an easy uh, fallback on that. One major, major, major topic of traveling solo, security, safety. And people yeah. are always worried, am I going to be safe, especially women? So what's, what's your take on that? Yeah, we sort of touched on a few bit before about safety, about like when you enter the city, you're in a taxi. Don't say that you're alone. Don't say it's the first time in the city. I mean, have a little story. Um, that's the first thing I always do. Um, if you get approached in the street by some random man or random person, say I'm going to meet my friend or this. So let them know that you've got people around you. That's one thing I'd say. Number two is just the basics, right? If you're in a hostel, just secure your items. All right, lock up your backpack, lock up the things. A simple little $2 lock is enough of a deterrent for people not to take something, right? Um, good thing is most hostels have lockers these days, so that's fine. But even still, don't leave your iPad on your bed, all right? Don't, take, so don't even take times, your iPad, yeah. Yeah, the times I see that happening. And, and the, yeah. That would happen in your own city, right? If someone leaves an iPad on the bed or lying around a cafe, Someone's going to steal it potentially too, right? So that's the other thing. Other little tips that I've got is, this is something I still do today. Before I go on a holiday, I take a photograph or photocopy of my passport, credit cards, itineraries, things like that, and I give it to a family member. Because in case something happens, just in case there's an offline copy that they have. Also, keep that copy with you as well. Because if you do lose your phone, all right, oh, it's on Dropbox, it's on in the cloud. Well, how are you going to access that? There's no internet cafes don't exist anymore. <laughs> so having an offline copy of your passport is a great thing to have. And obviously, put that securely somewhere. Um, a trip that I do, um, and people think it's a good idea, is I actually get a photocopy of my passport and shrink it down for my wallet, and I laminate it. Because in a lot of countries, it's illegal not to carry a passport. And so when I get pulled up and I get told, where's your passport? I give them this little ID card. They're like, that's not your passport. I went, it is. It's a copy of my passport. That's all you need. Um, and it's a great way when people want ID and so forth. In that way, you're not carrying your passport with you. So that's a little tip that I've, I've learned over the time. Yeah. I like, um, your, I like your photo idea. Another one that I do is I take a screenshot of any map that the area I'm going to be in because we rely so much on that map as we're roving around, but there's plenty of times I know how many <laughs> every trip you're going to run in circumstances where your phone does not work for whatever reason. So screenshot your map. So you're not using the Wi-Fi, You're not draining the battery and you have that standard issue. Absolutely. And that's a good thing to do is, you know what? Walk around your own city and put your phone on airplane mode. Yeah. You won't survive even your own city these days. We rely on your phone so much. So Google maps, has a great feature now. We save offline maps. Yeah, yeah. Save your offline maps. All right. Also on Google Maps, you've got things where you can save and star locations. So that even if you don't have data, you can still know where you're going. Mm -hmm. So I do that. I use a pro, um, uh, another program called Maps.me, um, which is a great um, mapping software that you can save and it doesn't require any internet once you downloaded it. That way you've always got how to, you know how to get home. Um, another safety tip is potentially get a SIM card in the local country. Yeah. Uh, that way you can get an Uber, you can get the, the train timetables if you need to. But at the same time, I recommend don't get in it because then you'd be stuck on your phone all day. 
Yeah. All right. You, Sometimes it's it, good to not be able to access it. Yeah. Correct. So I try not to get SIM cards when I'm overseas because I don't want to be stuck on my phone, checking Instagram, checking whatever. It forces you to talk to people. It forces you out. Every every cafe these days has Wi-Fi, so don't worry. You'll be able to get your internet access. Yeah. You can check the uh, lights. Don't worry. Yeah, people liked your picture. You'll know soon enough. But exactly right. Like, and on your phone, take photocopies of all your passports and your credit cards, your, your train tickets, just in case something does go on. The other thing, other security thing that I do all the time is never put your backpack or, or your items in the back of a car, all right, in a boot or a trunk, yeah. I think you guys call it, is bring it, have it with you at all times. If you and can't this is see everything, it, all of your cases? Everything. Okay. Everything. I, because as a solo traveler, you are prone you're not prone, but people look at you a bit of a target. Don't make, don't be a target. Make it easy. Right? Yeah. Always make, don't make it easy. Always have your stuff with you. Ne- never let let your bag go out of sight. Um, that's something I always do as well. But just smile. Be <laughs> nice, and then you know what? If you smile, have confidence. Trouble won't come to you. I mean, it, like what I said in a previous com- podcast. If you walk in a city or you go into a situation and you think that and you look like you belong there, trouble won't come to you. And if trouble does come to you, just smile and be polite. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a transaction for them. They just want a bit of money. Um, have a trouble wallet. Is stuff your money down your and your credit card down your socks or hide it and have a fake wallet. Yeah. Something else I do is I've got an old credit card that's expired. They don't know that. I've got an old ID. I've got like a couple of old plastic cards that do mean nothing to me. That one will have a photo of me on it. And then if they want my wallet, they can have that. <laughs> and it has nothing. For them, it's just a transaction. Or And also, don't carry all your money on you. Have like $20, $30 in there. So if someone does see you open your wallet up, you don't have hundreds of dollars visible to, the, to everybody. There's some quick tips for people, yeah. um, which I follow all those rules every day when I travel. Awesome, mate. Well, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate it. I hope your listeners uh, get something out of it. And yeah, look forward to talking to you soon. Perfect. Thanks, Luke. Take care, man. All right, mate. All the best. Thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Luke to stay up to date with all of his adventures. Be sure to give him a follow on Instagram, luke.travels.the.world. My new book. Curiosity is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son.